you're here today for the first time, I want to in- introduce myself. I'm Jay Duncan. This is my wife, Christy, down here. And uh, we just want to welcome you to Antioch Church. We're in a, cities, or in a series called Teach Us to Pray, and we are going through the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to open up and pray, and then we're going to open up in the Lord's Prayer, and then we're going to jump into the Word this morning. Father, we bless your name today. And Lord, we thank you that you are already here in our midst, that you are moving You're moving on the waters of Antioch. You're moving on the waters of every family in this uh, community of believers. And you are moving on the waters of our city. And we say, yes, Lord, would you increase? May the activity and the work, may the ministry of your spirit in this house and in our city, may it increase. May it gain momentum, may it accelerate, may it move in greater force and power and clarity and authority in the earth this day. Father, we thank you that there is a word that you want to impart here into the DNA of this people. And so we ask that the ministry of your spirit will be strong through the teaching and the preaching gifts this morning. And Father, that you would galvanize us in a spirit of holy community as Bernard taught us, and that your Holy Spirit would do what no man can do. You would do the eternal. You would do the supernatural in our lives today in Jesus' name. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to ask you to join me and turn with me to the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Just to do a quick recap for those of you who are new with us this morning, in the past few weeks, we've been talking about how in the Lord's Prayer, that first phrase that says, our Father, there's a lot that's within that phrase. The implications behind that small phrase are massive, so much so that it's taken us four weeks to talk about what does it mean when we pray our Father? Number one, it's a prayer of gratitude. It's a prayer of thanksgiving, meaning that we understand when we say our Father, there is no way that we could say our Father if it weren't for the Son. It was the sacrifice and the price of the Son that has given us access to boldly come before the Father and engage His heart in prayer. It's also a prayer of identity. So when we say our Father, we're identifying ourselves as sons and daughters and all that the Word says that we are, So we are saved by grace. We are new creations in Christ. We are overcomers, all of those things. And that's the way that you can pray. If you ever get lost and you just start with this model, you can start with this structure, begin with praise, begin with gratitude, begin with thanksgiving, begin moving into then thanking him and activating all of the components of identity that are now yours in Christ Jesus. And there's lists upon lists in the scriptures that talk about who you are because of who he is and what he's done. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the fact that it's not only a prayer of gratitude and a prayer of identification. When we say our father, it's also a prayer of belonging. We belong to the universal church, which is all believers in Christ throughout all ages and time. We also belong to the global body of Christ, 
We have brothers and sisters all over the world right now fighting for their faith. Brothers and sisters right now all around the world, some being persecuted, imprisoned, martyred. We belong to them and they belong to us. We belong to a glorious kingdom that, it, that, is, that is more than just our needs. And it's more than just what, what is pressing in our lives right now. We also belong to a local body of believers. Uh, and in that particular message, I localize that to this house and we also belong to a city and what God is doing on a city level. Today, I want to talk about the prayer of unity. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, one of the things that we are putting into motion, that we're activating into its power, is the prayer of unity. And what I want to do here is, here in a few minutes, I want to get to six things that we can pray for. Now, there's many but just to arm you and equip you with ways to pray for your local body, ways to pray for the global body. We're going to talk about that. But before I do that, I want to talk about a couple of things that happen when the spirit of unity is in operation in a people or in a place. What happens? Why should we care about unity? Why should we desire for the people of God? Why should we work towards the spirit of unity operating in our midst? First reason why we should do that or the first thing that happens is number one, it attracts the presence of God. Unity attracts the presence of God. And in 2 Chronicles chapter five, it's a great story here of when Solomon was dedicating the temple to the Lord. And when he dedicated this temple to the Lord, he gathered all of the worshipers and all the worship instruments and all the priests, all the Levites together. And they had worked and labored diligently for years to build this temple so that they could meet with God and that they could encounter God and worship God. Let me show you what happens when they're dedicating this temple to the Lord. We're going to begin at verse 11 of 2 Chronicles chapter 5. It says here, the priest then withdrew from the holy place. And all the priests who were there had consecrated themselves regardless of their divisions. All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Haman, Jeduthun, and their sons and relatives stood on the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals, harps, and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. Verse 13, the trumpeters and the singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices in praise to the Lord, and they sang, He is good, His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple." See, the first thing that happens when we come together is God is attracted to people that move together in unity. There is something that is magnetic about hearts and minds and lives banding together for one purpose in one common direction for a unified vision. Now, this doesn't just happen with believers. I believe it primarily happens with believers, but I think it's a principle in the scriptures. And here's why I say this. In the book of Genesis, there's a story called the Tower of Babel. You find this in Genesis 6. And in the Tower of Babel, what we find is that there are a number of people that gathered together and without a good reason, I, I apologize, I said Genesis 6, I believe that's Genesis 11. Let me look at this real quick. 
Genesis 11. Look at Genesis 11, verse 1. It says, the whole world had one language and a common speech. They had one language and they had a common speech. And here's what they said. They said, we're going to build a tower and we're going to build it all the way up to the heavens. And we're going to build it, essentially, we're going to build it for our glory. Okay? So they had no desire in their heart to build this for the glory of God. They wanted to build it for their own glory. But here's what the scriptures emphasize. They had one language, they had a common speech, and then we find this. We find that God creeps over and he says, look at this here at verse five. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. Now let me share something with you right here that's really, really profound. The very next verse is the Lord says, If as one people, somebody say one people. If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. We could flip that around and we could say that everything they plan to do in a spirit of unity and agreement will be possible. You know, I was talking with Carmen over here during the Guest Connect time, and she said, you know, it was an army of people that came together. There were so many people that were involved behind the scenes, creating set design. Every student had to learn their part, music, lights. So many people, an army coming together, one language, one purpose, unified, and then the final result of that, you see the glory of God displayed, and I believe that God was attracted to that because those kids were moving in a spirit of unity. When we begin operating in a greater spirit of unity, whether it be in a corporate worship service or a one-on-one meeting with someone or a life group or a men's group or a business group or an arts group, whatever it might be, as we begin moving in a greater spirit of unity, here's what happens. God shows up. He's attracted to the spirit of unity. Psalm 133 says it's good when brothers dwell together in unity because the anointing of God flows where unity is. So when we talk about praying for your church or praying for your business or praying for your family, by the way, isn't there something that's inside of us when you go into an environment where unity is not in operation? What's that feeling that you have? Huh? You feel awkward, you feel like, Ugh, there's just something that's going on right here. If you've ever been in someone else's home and two parents are arguing or they're fighting, or uh, there's just something that you, 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 it, it repels you. You want to leave that environment. See, I think that as we look at the opposite of what's going on, when we operate in division, God's, God's spirit, he leaves. He leaves. When we start partnering with gossip and slander and accusation and criticism, when we start partnering with those kinds of things, God's spirit withdraws. He moves. He leaves a people. And when we start saying, God, we're going to start becoming intercessors and not accusers. We're going to become become intercessors, not criticizers, because it's harder. It really is harder. It requires the supernatural grace of God to pray into something that is legitimately weak, that legitimately needs change. It's harder to pray into it than it is to come against it. It really is. So God, he shows up and he gives grace. He gives grace. If you desire unity in your marriage or in your family, I guarantee you, if you set your heart towards that, God will show up and he'll release a grace 
to make that happen. Here's the second thing that happens when we get together in unity. It releases the power of God. And there's numerous scriptures in the book of Acts where we see the power of God in operation. We're going to start with Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And in this particular passage, we find that the believers who had come together after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, they were in obedience to his command, praying and waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit to be released. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 1 says... When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, where? In one place. That uh, is a really great argument for the power of coming together as believers. Let's move forward. <laughs> Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What's happening here? Well, number one, we see the spirit of unity in operation. And the spirit of unity not only attracts the presence of God, we see the power of God being released and made manifest where the spirit of unity is in operation. You want to walk in greater power? Check your unity levels. You want to walk in greater power in your business? Check your unity levels. You want to walk in greater power in your church, your life group, your marriage, your family, what your school? Check your unity levels because unity is a key ingredient to the release of power in a people. Let me show you a couple of the verses here. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And we're going to pick up the story here on verse 23. Peter and John heal a man who is crippled from the time he was born. Uh, they're thrown into prison. They're interrogated. They're questioned. They're beaten. They're released. And on their release, they go back to a house church, and this church is praying for Peter and John. Peter and John come back. Watch what happens in verse 23. On their release... Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. People didn't go off in different corners and start having their own quiet times. They raised their voices together. They raised their voices on a common theme. They joined their heart, their faith, and their voices in a common direction. Next week, Pastor Dan is going to talk with you about principles and practices of corporate prayer. It's going to be outstanding. You know, some of you guys have been in corporate prayer meetings, and you look around and you go, this is not a corporate prayer meeting. I've been in some corporate prayer meetings, and literally people scattered out to every corner of the room. Some are laying down. Some are, some are kneeling down. Some have their journals out. That is not a corporate prayer meeting. That is an environment where you can have a quiet time, but it is not a corporate prayer meeting. These guys raised their voices together. And watch what happens. Let's fast forward here. Their prayer is amazing, by the way. But watch what happens in verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. Why is that? Because power is released when people get together and move in a spirit of 
unity. The way that you worship together, the way that we worship together, determines the levels of God's power that are released. I believe it. The way that we pray together in pre-service prayer, men's prayer, you name it, I believe it is a determining ingredient on the levels of power that are released in our lives, and not just in that gathering, but the levels of power that are available to us outside of that gathering. Unity matters. Getting on, choosing to submit your agenda to the agenda of God for that people, if you belong to a people, it matters. Choosing to come together in alignment and in a spirit of agreement matters on what God releases from his kingdom into a people. Third thing that happens, this is perhaps one of my most favorite things. Acts chapter 2, if we'll go back to Acts chapter 2. And we discovered here that when the spirit of unity is in operation, the presence of God is attracted, power is released. But the third thing that happens is that people are drawn to Jesus. People are drawn to Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 2, and we will end at verse 47. So if you're not familiar with Acts chapter 2, after this new church is baptized in the Holy Spirit, these guys receive some opposition. Peter, who is one of the disciples, stands up, and he just very simply shares the gospel with them. He says, guys, we're not drunk. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. By the way, if you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, we need to talk because uh, it's for today, it's for now, and you don't want to live another day of your life without it. Um, just put a little seed there. Let that thing grow. Shandala. All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. So uh, Peter, Peter gets up. He preaches the gospel. And now watch what happens. Verse 47, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 3,000 people on the first day when Peter gets up and he preaches the gospel. Later on in the book of Acts, we see that at one, just thousands of people are being added to what God is doing in the early church. And here's why I believe, amongst many things, one of the primary reasons is because this early church was operating in a spirit, in a heart of unity. They were in alignment with what God was doing in that time, in that moment, in that hour. Look with me, if you would, at John chapter 17. John chapter 17, Jesus is praying what many people call the high priestly prayer. This is just days before he's about to go and be crucified for the sins of humanity. He's having a very intimate encounter with God. And in this intimate encounter, we have a window into what Jesus is praying. And we find out that Jesus is actually praying for his disciples at that time. And he's praying for his disciples who will follow him afterwards. Any disciples of Jesus in the house? Right? So... In this account, we find that Jesus is actually praying thousands of years ago for you and I today. And here's what he's praying. John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus says, my prayer is not only for the disciples who are with me now. I pray also for those who will believe in me. I pray also for those who will believe in me. That's us. That's you. That's me. That's the people in our street. Jesus is praying for people that currently right now do not know him but will he's praying for them in this moment verse 21 he says i pray that they would all be one just as you are in me and i am in you 
may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. What's he saying here? He is saying that our unity is a determining factor in people's salvation. What is one of the primary reasons why people don't want to come to church or come to know Christ? If you ever had a conversation with anybody, you know what it is, right? It's us. It's us. It's the way that we treat each other. It's our division. It's our backbiting. It's our gossip. It's how nasty we are to each other. It's how we kick each other when we're down. It's, it's us. And here's, it just makes total sense. Jesus is saying, if you'll get your junk together, it'll make it easier for them. Who wants to be a part of a family that argues all the time? Nobody wants to be a part of that. Who wants to be a part of a church that, you know, the moment you make a mistake, everybody's going to jump on you like a pack of vampires. I mean, you know, zombies. I don't know why I used that. That was really weird. Um, <laughs> if anybody got offended, I'm not calling you zombies. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm just going to keep moving on here. So, no, you don't want to be a part of that. And here's what Jesus is saying. If, if you will submit your heart and if you'll choose to walk in the spirit and this level of agreement and power and unity that is available. Now, would he pray this for us if it were not possible? No, he wouldn't do it. So as I look throughout all the scriptures, this is the only prayer that I have found that has not been fulfilled. It is being fulfilled, I believe, but it's something that we can pray. It's actually one prayer that I pray for us, and it's something I pray for the churches in our city on a very regular basis. I pray John 17, 20 through 23, because I want to be brought into complete unity, because I want the people of our city to say, man, if you guys can do that and treat each other like that and support each other like that and love each other like that and serve each other like that, I want to be a part of what it is that you're doing. All right, six things very quickly. Six things that we can pray for as we learn how to pray the prayer of unity. Number one, we can pray for the body of Christ locally and globally to walk in the spirit of unity. We pray for the body of Christ to walk in the spirit of unity. And a great verse to pray. By the way, when you pray, and particularly when you pray corporately, not to steal all of Pastor Dan's information next week, but when you pray corporately, you know, it's not powerful when you just pray your own opinions. It is powerful when you pray God's word. And so if, you, if, you, if we want to learn how to grow and become powerful in prayer, pray the things that Jesus prayed. Pray the things that the word tells us to pray. Pray the prayers of the scripture. Pray the commands of the scripture. Pray the wisdom of the scripture and you know that you're always praying the right thing. We can pray for the body of Christ to walk in the spirit of unity. By the way, here in a couple of minutes, we're actually gonna pray these six things. So as I go through these very, very quickly and as you jot these down and their verses, I'm gonna ask that if there's any one of these six things that captures your heart, that you'd be willing to come up here and help us pray because we don't want to just talk about prayer. We want to pray. And we want to pray for our church. We want to pray for the churches of our city. We want to pray for the people of our city. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, another verse to arm you as we learn to pray for the spirit of unity to be in operation in the church of a city. We can begin in verse 1 of Philippians chapter 2, and it says, Therefore, if you have 
any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. There's another uh, earlier translation of NIV, and it says being of one spirit and of one purpose. Being of one purpose. Let me share here just for a couple of minutes because every single one of us has a different thing that's important to us. Some of us are wired towards strategic spiritual warfare. Some of us are wired towards justice issues. Some of us are wired more towards compassion and benevolence ministry. And uh, if we're not careful, what will happen is this. You'll find people that will come into a prayer gathering or a church or a meeting or what have you. And, and the thing that is important to them will become the thing that should be important to everyone. And then what they'll do is they'll, they'll say things like, well, uh, what, what we really need to be doing is we need to be doing more justice issue things. And, and we need to be, be coming against all of the injustice that's happening here in our city. Now, I believe that to a degree. I believe that's a manifestation of the kingdom. But I believe that's also a railroad. It's a railroad. It's not Grand Central Station. It's a railroad. It's a part of the kingdom of God coming. It's a very necessary part of the kingdom of God coming. And there's a reason why those people who carry it, carry it the way that they do, because that is the way that God has wired. It's, it's something he's put inside of them. So we need you to be just as passionate for that, but we need you not to make everyone else passionate for that. We need you to understand that you bring that to the table and there are other things that other people bring to the table that make a church and they make an organization, they make a prayer meeting complete. So I hope you hear that I'm validating that passion, but I'm also asking you to validate the other passions of others and to not invalidate a church or a ministry that may not put as much emphasis on praying for justice issues or praying for the foster care situation or praying for the nations. And there will always be something that is not happening to the degree that you want it to be happening in every church. Okay. Now, if you join a parachurch organization, if you're real passionate about Muslims and you join an organization that all they do is minister to Muslims, that's great, but that's not the entirety of the kingdom. It's a very valuable part of the kingdom. It's not the entirety of the kingdom. Why do I say that? Because it's crucial we understand this and it's crucial we validate others in our pursuit of unity in the kingdom. It really is. Uh, make my joy complete by being like-minded. Same love, one in spirit, one mind. Second thing that happens or second way that we can pray for unity in a body is to pray for our love to increase and to overflow one to another. Pray for our love. Look with me at 2 Thessalonians. I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 12. So the staff and I, we pray every morning. And a couple of weeks ago, I downloaded this prayer of apostolic New Testament scriptures from ministry. And there's about 11 pages. And all it is is nothing but scriptures. And we came across this scripture a couple days ago in 1 Thessalonians 2 that has gripped my heart. Here's what it says, verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. Are we reading the same thing here? 
I said chapter two. I meant chapter three. <laughs> chapter three. You guys are like, I don't know why that gripped your heart so much. I'm not seeing it. I'm not tracking with you. First Thessalonians chapter three, verse 12. Let's try that one more time. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow towards each other and for everyone else. That's something you can pray. That's something you can pray with confidence. Now, I don't know about you. I'm just going to preach to myself here for a few minutes. But I know that my love levels can be low. And my love levels can be weak. You know, Chrissy and I will ask each other often. We'll say, how's your love tank? Okay. In other words, like, are you, are you, are you filled up with my love for you? Or are you on empty? Or are you on quarter tank? Or are you half tank? And uh, that just helps me know that I need to give a little bit more attention there. This is essentially what Paul is saying. He's saying that you can actually pray for the level of your love to grow. You can pray for the levels of love inside of you to increase so much so that it begins to overflow one towards another. Imagine what a church would look like if every single person were not only praying this but walking in it. Imagine how we would talk about each other. Imagine how we would talk with each other when disagreement and conflict arise. Imagine when we see each other's weaknesses, if, if we'd expose them or if we'd cover them. Imagine what our conversation would look like. Imagine people who have felt lonely and isolated and rejected and could never belong to a group of people. Imagine if they entered into a people that were operating in the truth and the power of this scripture. May your love increase and overflow one to another and everyone else just as ours does for you. What would that place look like? I don't know but I want to. And I think that we could be a great project for the Holy Spirit to see this in operation. Another great verse here is in John 13. Another great verse to pray, John 13, 34 through 35. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. That requires the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. I can love you. I can love you really well, but I can't love you like Jesus loves you without Jesus. That is impossible. So you must love one another. Now watch this, verse 35. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. Just in case you think that we're getting all, you know, internal and self-focused, every one of these prayer points affects the manifestation of the kingdom. Every one of these prayer points is critical to our gospel witness for people that don't know Christ. Because here's what Jesus is saying. If you will love each other well with the love that I've given to you, then all men will know you're legit. They'll know. They will know if you're legit. But if you talk a great game and, and they, they, they see, you know, something that doesn't look like that, people will be like, I don't want anything to do with this faith. Number three, intercession. Pray for intercession for one another to increase and for gossip and slander and strife to be removed. Removed, not an ounce of that leaven in our body. Not an ounce of that leaven in your company. Not an ounce of that leaven on your sports team. Not an ounce of that. Not an ounce of that on your uh, musical production company. Not an ounce of that in your neighborhood. 
Imagine what it would look like if instead of becoming accusers, we became protectors. Now, there's a number of really, really great verses here, and I'm going to focus on just a couple. If you're taking notes, you can jot some of these down. You can jot down 1 Timothy 2.1, 1 Timothy chapter 2.1, which basically Paul just says, I urge that intercession be made for everyone. You can jot down 1 Peter 4.8, great verse. I'm going to read this verse to you. It says, above all, love each other deeply. I love the fact that he put deeply in there. And it just say love each other. Love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. When you enter into any form of relationship with people, you will experience their brokenness and they will sin against you. Guys, it will happen. But here's what he says. The way that you combat that is that allow love to increase because love will cover sins. Love will redeem sins. Love, when someone sins against you, love will cause you to cover them and not expose their sin. All right, let me show you this in 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to look at verses 5 through 7. Very familiar passage of scripture for a lot of people who've been in Christ for some time. Verse 5 says, love is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. You know, if we could just do those four things, we would experience unity in our families, in our marriages, in our churches like never before. If we could just do those four things. But watch what happens here on the positive side. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil. It rejoices with the truth. It always protects. You know what always means in the Greek? Nexus? Always means always. At all times, in every situation, it will always protect. Love always trusts. Love always hopes, and it always perseveres. I got fascinated by that word protect. The NIV says protect. The New American Standard says it bears. Love bears all things. And so I just looked that up. I, what, is, what does bears mean? Is a really fascinating word. It means a couple of things. It means to protect. It means to thatch or to cover over. So to become a covering. So when someone sins against you or they make a mistake or, you know, Christy and I, uh, she, is, she has been such a participant of God's training process for me as in the yoke of marriage, things would arise, and she would say, you, you are not giving me the benefit of the doubt. You're, you, you're, not, you're not covering me. You're not believing the best of my heart and my motive and my intentions. And I'll admit, that's an area I need to grow. That's an area where my love is low. So as I pray, beginning with me, I pray, Lord, would you cause your love to increase in my life, and you would teach me how to protect and cover other people and how to believe the best of their motives. Just preaching to myself this morning. It means to preserve. Now, this one is awesome. It means to cover with silence. It means to hide, conceal, or keep secret the errors and the faults of others. How many of you guys could use a little bit of learning how to bear all things? Now, I don't know about you, but when I see someone else's weakness, I want to tell the whole world about it. I want to talk about it. I want to nurse it. I want to, I want to stew on it. I want to meditate on it. I want to get other people's counsel on it. Come on, come on, talk with me today. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, it, love, love does not do that. 
Here's what he says. Love keeps a secret. Now, we're not talking about keeping a secret of a major sin that is, we're not talking about that. We're talking about if someone has offended you, not going and telling the, your Facebook followers, all right? Not going into the prayer meeting and saying, I think we just need to pray for sister so-and-so. Right, you ain't praying for nobody. You pray for yourself. Love bears all things. It hides, it covers, it conceals, it thatches, it creates a covering for someone's life. That's what love does. And here's how we pray for a body. We pray for intercession for, to increase. You know what this house needs? This house needs intercessors. And intercessors are not just people that are called to intercession. This house needs every person who considers a member, who considers yourselves a member of this family to become an intercessor. That's what we need. We need the water levels of intercession to rise for Antioch Church. And we need to pray that we learn how to grow in intercession and that offense and strife and slander and division be absolutely removed from this house. You know what? That requires maturity. It requires every single one of us being willing to grow up. Because here's what I know. You guys remember in elementary school and junior high school and, hey, you know, Susie did this and the telephone game and the whole deal. That's what kids do. That's not what mature sons and daughters do. That's not what mature sons and daughters do. You know what mature sons and daughters do? A, we pray for one another. B, we go and we talk to each other. That's what mature people do. Number four, we need to pray that conflicts and divisions will be reconciled in such a biblical manner. Watch this. We need to pray that conflicts will be reconciled in such a biblical manner that it releases healing to the church and hope to the world. I wonder, how, I wonder what kind of voice, I wonder what kind of influence we would have uh, into the field or into the, the mountain of marriages and families if we just learned how to do conflict mediation better. I wonder what kind of opportunities we would have in our businesses if we learned how to do conflict mediation better in the church. What if our families and our spiritual family were actually the training ground by which we learned how to go in and be peacemakers in our businesses? Yeah. What if, by the way, I don't think that's rhetorical. I actually think that's part of God's pattern. I think it's God's pattern that we learn in the training ground of our families, our marriages. That's a training ground. It's a training ground how you learn how to deal with disagreement. It's a training ground how you learn how to handle someone else's personality with grace. And then we, we extend from that concentric circles to the, the spiritual family that God plants us in. How can you learn how to mediate conflict? How can you learn how to navigate different people's personalities if you're uprooting and going to a different community every other month? You can't. You can't do it because what it'll perpetuate inside of you is it'll perpetuate a mindset that only sees people's negative things. And when you see the negative, you leave and you follow that destination disease, going to somewhere else, assuming that it's going to be better there. No, God purposefully plants you in broken people to teach you how to handle broken people. It's his design. It is his design. It is his will for your life. And we need to pray that God would teach us how to handle conflicts and divisions in such a biblical manner that it would release healing to the church. How many of you guys have been hurt by the church? I, I, pretty much every hand in here should go, should go up. How many of you guys have been hurt because 
you, you know, you served, you felt taken advantage of, you felt like the pastor was manipulative and controlling, you, 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 hurt, you got hurt because um, you felt overlooked, you didn't feel valued, you got hurt because you entrusted someone with something that was precious and you felt like they abused that. I mean, I, the, the list is endless. You will get hurt in a church. That's not the point. That, 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 that is a reality. The point is, are we going to mature so that A, you know, oh, 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 oh. What, what if, what if, what if, what, what if we just, what if the church just remains in this perpetual place of brokenness because we've never actually learned how to handle those faults well, so we just stay there. We just stay there. You know, if, if you're in a marriage and you just continue to ignore and distance and ignore and distance yourself, that marriage isn't going to become better. And it's not going to become better in a church either. We need to pray that God would grant us grace to handle biblical conflict and resolution in such a manner that it releases healing to the church. I have a dream that that would happen here. I really do believe that. I believe that we can change the tide. I believe that people's testimony would not be, I got violated and abused and I brought something up and no one heard me and no one cared. And no one, I, I believe we can change all that. I believe that we can create a people that actually becomes a beacon of hope to the conflict and and brokenness in the world. Matthew chapter 5, 23 is a great verse for that point there. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 through 20 are also great biblical references. That was Matthew 5, 23 and Matthew 18, verse 15. All right, last two points. Pray for the spirit of grace and forgiveness to displace the spirit of offense. That is something that you can pray for every church on the planet. And that's something I ask that you pray for this church. Pray that we become a family whereby the spirit of grace and forgiveness displaces the spirit of offense. Great verses here, Ephesians 4, verse 32. Be kind, be compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. What would it look like if the moment we were offended, we chose not to come into agreement, we chose not to become a partner with that offense, but we actually chose to forgive. If we became quicker to forgive, what would it look like? The enemy would have no place. The enemy would have no place. If the scriptures are correct, that the enemy roams about as a roaring lion, if the scriptures are correct in Genesis 4 where sin is waiting, it's crouching like a tiger and it wants to master you, if, if that's correct, he really has no access legally unless we give him access legally. And I think the legal access that we give him is when we harbor offense, we just blow those doors wide open. Come on in here. You can do whatever you want, say whatever you want. You can have your way with my mind, my heart, my emotions, my marriage, my family, my church. You can, you can, you can destroy, you can tear apart our relationships when we harbor offense. When we forgive, you know what we do? We close the door to the enemy. And we create space for grace to do what it does best. Number six, when you pray for kingdom connections and relationships to be forged and for people to find their fit and function for the purposes of God, both locally and globally. What does that mean? It means that both within local churches and also in global churches, I think God is a master chess player. He's wanting to connect people's lives. In fact, I'm just gonna announce this here in the next few weeks. We're gonna work to actually help make those connections happen. What would it look like? I'm just gonna dream here for a couple of minutes. What would it look like if, uh, if all the business owners and all the business people that are called with passion, 
all the entrepreneurs, all the, all the, all the resources, all the networks that, 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 that is available. What if starting here, starting here, and then branching out from here, what if all those people got together, what could God do? I mean, just practically speaking, what could God do? Like why reinvent the wheel? What kind of God ideas could come out of that? What would happen if we got all of the creators and the artists together in one room and nobody had to legislate it, nobody had to control it, just threw them in the room, you know, lock, lock the door, throw away the key, <laughs> all right? Walk away. What could happen? What could happen? What could happen, guys? What could be created? What could be dreamed up? What could be imagined? What would happen if we got all the educators in a room together? What would happen? So we're going to do that. We're going to do that. We're going to create space. We're going to create time. And, and listen, we don't have to legislate a thing. All we want to do is get people who are called to the same field together and at least get you, at least knowing who each other are. And if nothing happens, nothing happens. But I bet something could happen. I bet you something could happen if we did that. So we need to pray that kingdom connections and relationships will be forged in a local people. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up as each part does its work. We, we grow as you grow. The kingdom grows as we grow. We grow as you grow. That's how it works. So we need you to be fit. We need you to be functioned. We need those divine connections to happen. There might be a divine connection here that will save your marriage. There might be a divine connection in this room that will save your children. There might be someone here that will become an intercessor for your life. There might be someone here that over one conversation at coffee, an idea will be dropped into your head that will change the trajectory of your entire life. Destiny is held within those divine connections. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Jonathan, would you mind coming up up here and helping me? We got six great prayer points that are thrown up on the screen that are very hard to see. <laughs> Why don't we, uh, oh no, that's not too bad. It's just hard for me to see the one back there. Why don't we do this? Why don't we have uh, six people? We'll just have six people come up and we'll just put this in practice and we'll pray and then, uh, and then we'll go and will become gluttons and um, angry, violent people. <laughs> All right, six people. I need, thank you. I need to pray with greater inspiration. I've only got, all right, two, three, four. Awesome, I'm loving this. Five, six, 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 six. All right, there it is. Mark, oh, Mark, come on up here, Mark. No, no, Mark, get up here, get up here. Get up here. Number seven is the number of completion, right? I love you guys. Hey, why don't we all pray together, right? Why don't we all like, when these guys pray, why don't we all like amen the snot out of them? Why don't we all just like jump on board and just get our Holy Ghost on and just say yes and I agree and all of that. All right, you guys go wherever you want, but let's pray for the spirit of unity, any of these points you want, all right? So come on up here to the middle and go for it. Let's pray, guys. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in your people. Yes, God. And in your kingdom. I thank you, Lord, for Pastor Jade, who brings forth the truth that you've called him to bring thank forth. You, I pray that the seed would be planted deeply in Lord, our hearts, Lord. Today. 
Lord, I pray for unity of your people. Thank you for unity, Jesus. I pray that we would be united as one by our love of Jesus and our yes, love for God, one another. Love for and that that would draw the world to us, God. To you. Oh, Lord, help us to pray your prayers. Help us to pray your prayers, God. I pray, Lord, that your people would be united by a love that cannot be divided cannot by be anything. Divided, not by offense, not by perceived things that are perceived, not by the enemy, Lord. We we say, Satan, you have no place, no place among us. You have no foothold. No you families. have no you have nothing, Satan. So flee, run, and go. Because we are God's people and we are united. We love one another. We serve one another. We seek the good in one another, Lord, and we see Jesus in each other. We see those things that Jesus has created us to be and has called us to, and that is what we see. We will not be divided. We will stand firm, and we will not be moved in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, I ask you to make holy connections between charismatics and Baptists and Presbyterians and Church of Christ and Church of God in Christ and all of those who worship and serve you in this city in Jesus' name. Draw all of your people together as one body in grace and compassion towards each other and understanding of our different flavors and different mindsets that we pull out and see the strength in each other and walk according to your grace as a body of unity that loves each other in this city. In Jesus' name. I agree. We say yes, God. Father, we just pray for more of you and less of us in your churches, God. More of you and less of us, God. I pray for a baptism of the spirit of adoption over the churches in this city, God. Would you baptize us with the spirit of adoption, Lord? It says in your word that greater no, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his brother, for his friend, God. And so I pray that we would be ones that lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters in church, that when we see them, that we would see them greater than ourselves, God, that when we see them, we would want to serve them and encourage them and pray for them, God. Father, I pray that around this city, Lord, the church splits would lessen, God. We pray for an end to church splits in this city, God. Father, in the churches to be unified and the churches to rise up and the churches to link arms, God, so that your kingdom would be glorified and that your kingdom would be established in your people in the church. Jesus, in Jesus' name. Jesus, Lord, we say yes, God. I agree. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the word that says that how can we love you that we cannot see if we don't love our brothers who we can see? Yes, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, as we bring our cups to you today, Lord, and we ask for you to fill them to overflowing that your love, your love, Lord Jesus, the love that can only be manifested in our bodies because we know you because we have you in us. Lord, that is far beyond any love that we are capable of generating on our own. Lord, we pray for that love to be able to express itself and to be overflowed one to another, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that these type of relationships will be 
manifested in this house. Lord, I pray that from the top, from the pulpit, this is what's being preached because this is your word that we would love each other, reach out to each other, not judge one another, not be critical of one another, Lord, but be covering to one another. Lord, that we would hide the things in our heart that we see in our brothers, Lord Jesus, that need to be addressed. Hide them in our hearts so we can bring them to them, not talk about them, but to love upon them. Lord Jesus, in that way, Lord Jesus, help us be your arms, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your ears to each other, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for far beyond that we are capable of. In Jesus, in Jesus. My great Father. Hallelujah. Father, you said before that Antioch will be a spark that will start and set this region on fire. That will set this world on fire. So, Father, I thank you as we come together like Acts 2, God, like the day of Pentecost. Father, I decree and declare the atmosphere. We shall come as one. We shall come as one mind, one purpose. We shall come in unity. We shall come as a community in love. Father, and we thank you that your power shall come and set us, ignite us on fire. And with the fire that we have because of the unity, God, we will go and take it to the world and it shall be multiplied and it shall be spread, Father. Father, I thank you, God, for the water that is rising in us as a corporate gathering right now. And I pray that that water will be filled and it'll come above our waist and it come above, God, our shoulders and it covers us, God, as one God. That we are so immersed in you, Father, that when the people see us, they see you. So, Father, we just decree and declare the oneness, God. First of all, starting in this body. First of all, starting in this church, God. In In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And let it be so. In Jesus' name. we agree today. Yes, Lord, I just so agree with that, God. We just ask, Lord, we want it here first, God. We want unity, Lord Jesus. Your people here, we long for unity, Lord God. We long for it. And, God, I just say... um, Lord, where we have missed the mark, God, where we have been a part of of not having unity, God, we just as a body here at Antioch, God, we repent for that, Lord God. We repent for where we have put our own agenda above yours, Lord God, where we have put, where we've placed our offenses above love for one another, Lord God, where we've placed our desires or our preferences above love for one another. God, we repent, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we say we want what you want, God. We want what you want, which is unity, Lord Jesus. We want that here in this place, Lord God. Would you give us a grace? We ask for a grace to walk in great great unity, not only here in Antioch among one another, God, but in unity in this city, Lord God, this church of this city, Lord God. We want to see us walking together, Lord God, because we want revival. God, we want revival in this place. We want revival in this city, Lord God, and it can only come. It can only come, Lord God. You just said it in your word, Lord God. It can only come if we are united, Lord God, if we are one, Lord God. So would you make us one, Lord God, so that the world can see you for who you really are, Lord God. So they don't see you for who we sometimes look like, God, but they can see you for who you really are because they're looking at us and we're reflecting Christ's love. That's what we want in this place, Lord. I agree, Father. Father, I want to pray this morning for kingdom connections. Kingdom connections. And for fit and function. Yes, I agree. For your purposes locally, locally and globally. Thank you, Jesus. Father, 
you've given us the picture of the human body to see how we are connected and that the eye cannot be the hand and the hand cannot be the foot. And Lord, I believe what you're, you're up to in this season is for us to, to understand how the calling, the gifting, the wirings that you've given each of us our vocational tracks we can work and combine and, and pray together with others who have similar passion and we can bring about the reward of your suffering Jesus in this city through the expression of the blessings of God in, in your kingdom Lord I believe there are people in this church and in this city who love you and Lord they're asking the question I know you've called me to do this and to be that but I don't quite see how that fits into a bigger picture. We pray, Lord, that you will allow us to see that bigger picture and that there will be anointings released and confirmations to people's callings and that they will see, you know what? I see how this fits in the kingdom of God. It may not fit right here even my local church alone. It may be even something more, but I see how it fits. And in that understanding, Lord, we will see your smile. I agree. And we will see your glory and your blessings released, blessings released in a way we've never seen before. I agree. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. Jesus.